realized I was expecting, I guess, myself out of other people. Mm. I was expecting them to drop everything and help me. Victim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm a baby. Yeah. Uh, you need to help me because I'm a baby. Right. <laughs> I mean, without saying it, that's what I was doing. Good for I was... you to be able to say that. Most people yeah. can't say that, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I fully realize that yeah. now. And I, I will still revert to that. Um, and that's how I know, like, it's going to be forever a thing that I'm working on. Sure. I'm Megan Armstrong. Welcome to Life Six Feet Above. Six Feet Above was created when I started to share my story of spending 16 years wanting to be six feet under to now living a life full and happy six feet above. The more that I started to talk about my journey, my struggles, and my past, the more I realized people were genuinely interested and not judgmental at all, which is what I'd feared for so long. In fact, other people wanted to talk about their story as well, and for some reason they trusted me to do so. So the Six Feet Above podcast is my way of helping to share other people's stories, finding out what works for them to create a life of happiness. Before we start this episode, I want to let you know it has some explicit language and some very serious subject matter. It may be triggering or sensitive to certain people. Please listen with discretion. This is Maddie's story. Welcome back to episode 29 of the Six Feet Above podcast. It is late night on a Thursday and I'm joined by Maddie Conti, a fellow fitness friend in the community that I've actually known for, I think we've known each other for four or five years. We met a long time ago at a gym that I was um, training at and she was working at. And you know what's funny is like I look back and... I'm kind of sad we didn't get to know each other more back then. I feel like we've gotten to know each other more throughout the past year. And it's crazy to think like the pandemic and what we all went through in the fitness industry really kind of brought us closer together. Yes. Right? Don't you feel that way? I I was just having this conversation last night that I have met so many people that were the right people at the wrong time. Yes. And then I've reconnected with them at the right time. And it makes me appreciate going through that right. moment before where I'm like, oh, right. now I really get to to like experience their full friendship and like appreciate every yeah. every aspect of like, it. Like you can kind of know who someone is from afar. And then it's not until like years later where you're actually like, oh, that's why they're in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's that's why we're that's in each other's. That's the theme of our theme. podcast today. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> so Maddie, tell us a little bit about what's going on right now with you. And then we'll kind of dive into your past and, and get into the good stuff. Yeah. Right now, um, I feel like my, my personal business, uh, personal training business is the best it's ever been. Good. It's been um, so crazy during COVID. Yeah. I, I've been busier during COVID than I ever have been in yeah, previous years. Yeah, you really years. blew so up last year. It's pretty wild that, that that happened, but I think it's because I finally had the time initially when no one was working <laughs> to like step back and say, okay, what have I wanted to achieve? Mm. Uh, and it's going virtual. It's exploring other exercise modalities yeah. and um, like just increasing my, I guess, reach. Yeah. Um, so that I can impact more people. And um, so then I just kind of did that during COVID and 
it's it's turned out to be pretty awesome. I'm now exploring this new kettlebell yes. class that kind of just fell in my lap. I I want I've always wanted to develop a group fitness concept, but I couldn't figure out my niche. I was yeah. like it's not it's not like a weightlifting class. It's not a you know, normal circuit training class. Like I'm not a spin instructor. <laughs> I don't I don't I'm not I couldn't figure out where I fit right. in the it, group fitness world. Will you explain to listeners what a kettlebell is? Because a yeah. lot of them are going to be like, what is that? So a lot of people call it kettleball. <laughs> um, but it is a sphere with a handle on yeah. it. And it's uh, has Russian roots and it's steel. Yeah, and, and it and weighs, you know, you can buy them in all different weights. Yeah, they're usually in kilograms, although mm-hmm. they make them in pounds too, but... Um, I typically use like an eight to 12 kilo bell. Which and, is what? Like 15, 16 uh, pounds? Whatever Something the number like times 2.2. Okay. Yeah. I'm um, not going to do one that One of my clients tonight. was like, double oh, it and then add that. 20%. I was like, too much. Too much. <laughs> it's like um, 20 pounds. Yeah. And there an eight go. kilo bell is like 18 okay. pounds. Okay. So okay. anyway, um, I love kettlebells. I always have. I feel like they feel so much better to hold than yeah. dumbbells. Yeah. Um, and at the beginning of COVID, I had a set of 12 kilo kettlebells. And so I was streaming live workouts mm-hmm. every day with a different, different like a uh, guest every day. And it was so much fun. And a lot of the most popular ones were with kettlebell experts. Right. So I started kind of learning from them the art of hard style kettlebell training. Were those the only weights that you had when COVID happened? Initially. Because we couldn't find weights, right? Like it was really hard to get anything. I took them from my dad's gym. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was like, dad, I'm taking these 12 kilo bells (laughs) because the 16s were too heavy and he didn't have anything lighter. And looking back on it, I'm like, oh my God, the 12s were so heavy. I never use 12s now. (laughs) But but it was so much fun like going live with these different kettlebell people. One in particular, Drew, shout out to Drew. He kind of taught me um, how you can piece the... Uh, grinds and ballistic lifts together to create Mm -hmm. flows. Mm -hmm. So we would go live and he'd teach me a flow and I started practicing on my own and I started developing new moves on my own. And over the course of time, I was like, this has kind of become one of my things that I, I can stand by and say like, maybe I don't specialize in it yet, but that it's a big interest of mine. Yeah. That and, you know, Olympic weightlifting and I mean those are really my the bread and butter of my training Two main now. things yeah. so you started to incorporate it into your personal training with the virtual stuff mm-hmm. and then kind of once the world back opened developed that into a group session where you were teaching kind of like a 101 101 format and that's really grown over the past six, seven, eight months, right? Actually, I've only been doing the class for like three months. Have you? Yeah, since why January. Why do I feel like it's been so long? Because I've done it every week. Okay, maybe that's why. <laughs> that and it's all I post Which about I've, now. Which I've been to a few of them. They actually are really fun. And it's kind of this weird, um, especially for somebody that's, you know, used to training, it's this weird sense of empowerment, like, because I've never really, I've worked with kettlebells, but incorporate it into my workout it doesn't become like the whole workout right and for you it's really the whole workout and you taught me that there's so many different things you can do with it so it's it's been cool to be empowered to use one piece of equipment and I think a lot of times especially during this past year 
people at home are like, I don't have any equipment. And it's like, you really only need like one something thing. around the house or one <laughs> thing or so this is kind of your thing. So the yeah. pandemic kind of brought this, you know, niche to you, niche or niche. I never know how to niche. say that. Niche, niche, niche to you. And you're niche really kind oh. of, um, <laughs> you're finding your path, which is really cool. Yeah. Really cool. And, and I think that's when you know it is your path yeah. because it just kind of hits you out of nowhere. Right. And it grows on its own. Right. You don't really have to try too hard for it yeah. to go there. And yeah. um, God, what's the psalm? Where it's like, okay, man can have it his own path planned out. But it's right. really, you know, God's Up to, plan that yeah. prevails. Yeah. And it's interesting that this has all you know, sprouted over the last few months because it was as I was feeling like defeated in my quest to find the perfect space to open my facility. Right. Um, I've wanted a sports performance facility for years and it just, it grew to the the size where I was going to have to be managing so many different Mm -hmm. people, um, relying on so many different people. And then also the stress of uh, handling other people's money. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's gotten to the point where it's bigger than I feel comfortable like taking on. Yeah. It's so, a big, it's a, it's a big thing to yeah. open up a space and it's hard, especially in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta is so saturated, um, probably a little bit less now, unfortunately, cause a lot of places had to close, but it's like finding the right, part of town yeah because there's so many different areas you can go and you know they say people are most likely to work out in a gym that's within like a mile radius from where they live yeah which makes it really hard when you're a personal trainer and you're trying to you know accommodate several different people in several different parts of town yeah and Buckhead was my community you know I've lived in Buckhead since I graduated Mm -hmm. from Georgia State uh, a long time ago, yeah. seven, eight years ago. Yeah. And all of my clients live in Buckhead and Brookhaven. And, you know, I've been training in Smyrna and about half of them will drive there, but the other half I've been training them in their homes. And it's, it's so much back and forth. And I'm like, I've got to find a space. Yeah. And my, my driving force behind wanting to find a space was purely to simplify my schedule. And I was like, that's, that's not a good enough reason mm-hmm. to, like take all of this risk on. Right, right. So I just, I stepped back and I was like, okay, what if I sat here and breathed for a second? And I developed another concept that doesn't require a brick and mortar location. Cool. So that's when I started thinking about the kettlebell mm-hmm. thing called Kettle Club. And um, my my thought was it can be a certification that then we implement, you know, that class or that course into other gyms. Yeah. Um, that even didn't sit well with me because I'm like, I'm not there to make sure right. that it, like the integrity of the class is upheld. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's like, maybe I keep it even smaller than that. So I just made sure every Sunday at 10 a.m. I had that class, no matter if it was five people or 30. Right. And it just happened to be that it was always like 20 yeah. or more people. Because it was consistent. Right. And now it's at the point where I would feel comfortable adding, you know, more classes to my schedule. And I'm looking at hosting it in other places and purely just to see who shows up. Sure. Will it be the same people that were showing up at 
this other gym or is it going to be a whole new crowd? And it looks like it's going to be the same people plus plus more yeah. from that kind of neighborhood. So how did you good. get into fitness? Let's, let's mm. go backwards a yeah. little bit. So I had, uh, I'm a musician and I have a degree in music performance. Yeah. I'm a percussionist. And in my first few weeks of school, I had a wrist injury pop up, of course. Where'd you go to school? Georgia State. Okay. Uh, I actually went to Columbus State for my first two years. I was going to say, you went somewhere years. first. Yeah, yeah. Columbus State for my first two years, transferred to Georgia State for my last two. Um, but I had this ganglion cyst that, for most people, it isn't painful. But where it was on my wrist and what I was having to do for six, seven hours a day yeah. made it very painful. So... For three years in a row, I had surgery mm. on my wrist to repair this tendon that just kept getting damaged. Yeah. I was like, well, what's the deal? Yeah. And it was um, it was my orchestra conductor sat me down. He's like, okay, maybe you start eating well and drinking water and <laughs> exercising and sleeping and like take care of your body. This is when you're like 19, 20 yeah, years old like, or whatever. What? You're like, what? You know, I ate a can of green beans for... <laughs> For lunch, is that not enough? And like eight ounces of water today. Right, right. So I started doing all of that, you know, exercising. Like I taking care like, of yourself. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was doing what, even at that point, what I thought was taking care of myself, which was not. Sure. It was still slightly better than what I was doing before. Yeah. And it proved to be enough to to keep my wrist in shape for my whole senior year. Really? Yeah. So you didn't have any surgery senior year? None. I and had a cortisone shot. Okay. Um, I so the the cyst popped up again like a week before my audition at San Francisco Conservatory. Mm. I was like, I am not missing this one. This is the school I want to go to. Yeah. Um, the instructor at that school was also one in LA that I wanted to go to for my artist diploma after my master's. It's a lot of like music terms, but <laughs> um, anyway, I, I was like, this is a really important audition. I don't want to be in pain for it, but I also don't want to have surgery right right before it right then I would definitely not go to the school there so I tried the cortisone shot and it I guess worked because it made the cyst go away the inflammation was gone no pain I had an awesome awesome audition I got into the school I didn't end up taking why didn't you go oh something just wasn't sitting well with me I was like I don't know through that whole audition process I kind of I don't want to say I lost my love for music, but it became so like play every note perfectly and not I'm playing an instrument like this should be enjoyable. So it's like maybe I'll just take a year in between undergrad and grad school Mm -hmm. and just think about it and re-audition for that school in L.A. and just see. Yeah. And I did take auditions again a year later, and I still didn't take anything that was offered to me. So what did you do in that gap year? I was teaching at Woodward. Okay. Um, I was teaching their whole percussion department, so the lower, middle, and upper school, plus the drum line. Got it. It was a lot. So you were still involved in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you kind like, of fall, fall in love more with teaching it than actually doing it? Interestingly enough, I did. Yeah. Um, I felt like I had more purpose um, being – not necessarily a, a music teacher in these kids' lives, but a mentor in their mm-hmm. lives. Um, I was like, maybe this is more my path. Like yeah. being in the role of like service. Um, right. 
and helping these kids stay on track to become, you know, upstanding citizens, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, um, but I, I liked being in that mentor role Yeah. because, and I, I knew that I was in it when they would start coming to me asking for advice on like a girl they liked yeah. or like it was, you know, a girl in the percussion section asking like, what was it like for you being the only girl? Sure. Like the boys are making fun of me, right, you know, right. I'm like, Oh, this is yeah. cool. Like, I, I mean, I'm sorry that they're making right, fun right, of you, but I totally identify with that. So but you're like, you're going to be fine. Look at me now. Yeah, I'm good. Like yeah. you're going like, to be fine. Girl, yeah. you'll face bullying yeah. your whole life. Yeah, exactly. And it is totally. Just got to learn you know, how to deal with it. Mindset. Yeah. Over mind over matter. Yeah. But yeah. Cause you were made fun of growing up quite a bit. Yes. Oh, we've talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. So let's <laughs> go backwards. We're going to, we're going to come back to this year because I know that's kind of what got you into the yeah. fitness, but let's back up even further. All right. You are from what, what town? Peachtree city. Peachtree city. I'm like, yep. it's something PTC, with a P. But... Golf cart capital of the world. Isn't that where uh, Tyler Perry's studios are? There. That area. That area. Yeah. Okay. So it's south, south mm-hmm. of the city. Yeah. Grew up in Peachtree, like born and raised? Born in Winston-Salem, North okay. Carolina. Moved around a lot. Um, and then when I was three, we planted our planted roots here. In, in Georgia. Yeah. What did your parents do city. growing up? My dad works in like the construction world. Okay. He's a real estate, or he's a um, commercial real estate developer. Okay. Um, and it was a project that he was working on that brought him here and all of those other places we moved were also driven by like projects he was put on. So we were, let's see, after North Carolina, we were in Texas, uh, California, Florida, Kentucky, and then we moved to Georgia. Okay. Okay. Um, So pretty much like. This is all you really know, though, yes. right? From oh, yeah. Okay. I don't remember moving to Georgia. And you have, you have <laughs> siblings. Yes. I have an older sister, a younger sister, and younger brother. Wow. And one we're of all four. musicians. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. So where does the music – was your mom a musician? Where does yeah, that come from? My mom's whole side of really? the family. They were all musicians. Although my dad's side of the family was musicians, too. But my mom's dad – was the um, trombone soloist for the Air Force and Navy bands. Oh, cool. Yeah, so Very big cool. time. <laughs> what did your mom play? Clarinet. Nice. And my older sister played clarinet. My younger sister is is actually going for it. And really? Is, yeah, she's finishing up her master's at Yale right now. Wow. She plays oboe. Wow. Yep, and on Monday she has her senior recital. Well, so <laughs> I, I don't even know what you do with that sort of... Right. Uh, for oboe, it's very specific. <laughs> like, I don't you are know. an orchestral I don't even... musician. Like, what do you do with that? Yeah. So, um, well, I wanted to be a, a film, like, studio musician. Like a composer or... I or... wanted to play for, like, a Hans Zimmer. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to be the studio musician that he calls up and is like, hey, Maddie. Create I this... need a percussionist right, right. for whatever film. Okay. And then... You play for like eight hours a day for however long, and right. they make a killing. Actually, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. So that's why I wanted to go to that school. And in the LA. royalties from that, I'm sure. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so you started when you were how old? Um, I started playing piano when I was three or four. Jeez, I know. I was not focused. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if we knew what ADD, ADHD was at that point, but right. I was totally but that. But that was that. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. that. And, and that's why I didn't really focus on piano. But percussion, I started playing when I was nine. Okay. And I 
like hit the ground running with that. So were you, I mean, I would imagine it's kind of like a theater, you know, quote unquote nerd. It's different, right? You're not playing a sport. You're not in with the jock crowd. Um, What was it like at high school, big high school? Or I mean, even before that, you know, middle school. Um, I would say middle school, I was, I was like the skater girl. Yeah. (laughs) Because, duh, I was the drummer. Avril Lavigne just mm-hmm. popped in my head. Yeah, I had a Travis Barker yeah. uh, stick bag. It was checkered. Um, so that was kind of my crowd, like, in middle school. Okay. And then, oddly enough, I kind of – well, I would consider myself as, like, I was always the bridge friend. Okay. I had I had friends in lots of different groups. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say I – Never really dealt well. I didn't really notice bullying mm-hmm. at that point in my life. That was more like college. Mm. Um, I was very secure with myself in high school, like social butterfly, like got along with everyone. I guess. Yeah. I don't. I don't really remember like really? ever having any any issues with issues, anyone. Yeah. Like yeah, it was pretty pretty easy socially. Yeah. Um, I was the band nerd that was dating the quarterback. You know? Okay, so you we really did bridge the me. gap. <laughs> yeah. Not really into quarterbacks anymore, more tight ends. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, boy. Anyways, moving on. So, We're so, it's just a joke. <laughs> so you are, oh my God, you're making me laugh. Um, so you kind of like, and I say, I say that, I feel like I've said this the past few episodes, like kind of a, a traditional, normal, semi-privileged white girl upbringing right like nothing crazy happened nothing traumatic really in your life (laughs) a little bit here and there um I'll I will touch on that one and I will say this to the people listening Megan's really awesome about or Meg (laughs) I guess I do call you (laughs) Megan we were just talking about that we're like what do we call each other um you asked me like what do I feel comfortable yeah talking about always yeah and it's interesting, like, there are things I didn't even realize I do feel uncomfortable mm. talking about until I talk about them. Right. But there is one thing that I will say I feel has shaped me as a person, especially in, like, how I approach friendships and then, you know, uh, broken relationships mm-hmm. with people mm-hmm. and, like, how how much um, emphasis I put on, like, forgiveness mm. and um you're like where is this going (laughs) (laughs) yeah um the the thing I never really I like put it in a box and like you know pushed it to the back of my closet kind of situation does everybody yeah uh, yeah like the really painful stuff that you don't want to like feel emotions with um I was raped when I was 16 um and I didn't even want to call it that Mm because I like blamed myself I was like oh well I put myself in a situation that would lead to that but I didn't know do you think that has shaped the way that you see and receive men Mm, probably yeah yeah I'm like fight or flight kind of thing um I'm has it made you hard to trust men Maybe not trusting them, but I'm like, takes a lot to let someone in be close to me. Okay. I'm like, don't touch me. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so kind of physically and mentally yeah. and emotionally. Like yeah. it, you, you have to 
have courted me for a, a while for me to feel comfortable with, sure. like, in all aspects, like, yeah. being close to me. Yeah. Um, did you ever tell anyone when that happened? Like, did anyone know when it happened? Because you were 16 and he yeah, was... Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't tell anyone until a few years later. So what's kind of interesting is, like, I guess it was four, five years later, yeah. um, my former roommate was like, I'm getting married. Right. Only thing is, like, I want you to be a bridesmaid, but, like, the guy is going to be the best man. So she knew about this guy. Mm -hmm. She had known about this whole thing. But your parents didn't know, didn't tell. I mean, not. I think we need to remember, like, this is years ago. uh, Yeah. Because there are several. Mm. I've talked to many women my age in our 30s that have dealt with several things. I had some things in LA that I, you know, my parents know about very small things. Yeah. But they're formative. (laughs) You can say them now. I feel like people can say them now and it's almost like a thing to talk about. But 15 years ago, no one did. I know. No one talked about this stuff. So like definitely at 16, I, I did not tell anyone that this happened. Um, so much so that like my, I had to chat with my sister about it Mm. because the guy was like, trying to get with her like mm. four years later and I was like okay, you need to know something what did she and say how would she she was like so pissed that he didn't tell her mm. and that kind of started the dialogue between him and me about um he's like I feel so bad I was so young then I didn't know what I was doing whatever and so you eventually talked to him about this yeah mm. so um <laughs> that that friend of mine who was getting married she's like we're doing a joint bachelor bachelorette party I was like oh my god <laughs> she's right. like I really want you to be there it's like I don't know if you understand right like this is right, right. this is very uncomfortable right. for me I wasn't like nervous it was gonna happen again right but but yeah no one wants to see I that was like you know what person. do I just be the big you know it's it's something that had been weighing on me for years mm-hmm. it's like I almost wonder if talking to him would make it better um and allow me to just kind of like have some closure and um, sure enough, I'm like driving to like the lake house where we're doing the the bachelor bachelorette party, and I get lost, and no one's answering the phone. So I'm like, am I about to call this guy <laughs> to help me find my way? And he answers immediately. He's like, hey, Maddie, yeah, like you're you're right there, like based on what I had described as like what was around me. And I pull up to the house, and he greets me at my car. He apologized. We talked for probably half an hour, and I ended up like finding a way to to forgive him and actually feel like I had forgiven him yeah which was wild to me I was like I didn't realize I was capable of doing that because I was so mad about what happened yeah and um I'm so thankful that we had that chat because like you know a month later was the wedding and then I didn't see him after that and the next year rolls around and my girlfriend called me and she was like, he died. It's like, I'm trying not to say his name, but he, he is like the guy. He died? He passed away in How old was he? Probably 24. Of like just 23. Like a heart condition or something or something. He had, I mean, all we know is like he had been taking medication for his back. Mm. And he, I mean, I had known him to be someone who did like a pretty significant amount of drugs. Sure. At that point in his life. Um, 
but he was at a concert and I guess was drinking and whatever it else he took like didn't mix well Ooh. and he died in his sleep. Which I'm sure there's people out there being like, karma's a bitch, right? People are going to think that. Yeah. And the guy so, I was dating at the time was like, well, sucks for him. I'm right. like, and you are not a person I want to have in right. my life. So I think, <laughs> I think this creates, and, and we could probably do a whole episode on just this, um, but I do think, you know, this serious subject matter and sexual assault is different for every circumstance. Yeah. It's different whether... The person's a stranger. It's different whether you're dating the person. It's different whether you just know the person. Like there's so many different Variants terms of it. Yep. and variations. And I think it's it, we have to be really careful not to judge how one person handles it or deals yeah. with it. Because I think you're going to have a lot of people listening be like, how could you ever <laughs> – how could you ever forgive somebody right. like that, right? But, but I, I think what I decided was the forgiveness wasn't for him; it was for me. Like, right? That's a good point because <laughs> if you hold on to that forever, it's going to affect you forever. I don't think I would be well, right? If I never had that conversation with him and then he died, right, right, I would have felt like I'm not living the life that I say I want to lead, mm-hmm. which is, you know, to. Find, well, maybe not love everyone, but like be, I'm trying to be the bigger person mm-hmm. in situation for myself. I don't like holding on to um, things that make me stressed and make me anxious sure. and uneasy. Sure. And I'm like, well, I'm, I am ready to move on from that and like yeah. leave it behind and it it's not a lesson of like, don't put yourself in those situations. Right, right. But it, it definitely taught me that I am stronger than I thought I was sure. in being able to forgive someone yeah. for something like yeah. that. So I think too, there's a, there's a big um, point that I try to make with people that ask me about my personal experience and about my past. And <clears throat> what I learned from, you know, 16 years of a, really difficult period of struggling is that I was playing the victim. I was in the poor me mentality every day. I would look in the mirror, poor me, poor me. I don't have this. I don't have this. And depression became, becomes a very selfish thing because all you do is think about yourself. So these horrible things happen to us growing up or, you know, even our twenties and thirties, horrible things happen to people. It's awful. I'm not, excusing that but I will say that it's your responsibility to deal with it unfortunately and some people get dealt way worse hands than others and it's all about you know going through the process and whether that takes you a year or five years of dealing with it and and processing it and trying your best to move on because if you hold on to that hatred and that anger and that sadness or whatever it is, that negative feeling like, and you carry that with you your whole life, it's going to have a negative effect on your whole life. It really is. And that's not by any means saying that we should forgive people that do these terrible things automatically. You may not even have to forgive them face to face like you did, but finding something in yourself where you can move on and leave that with that 16 year old girl or leave that with whatever happened or leave it with the divorce or so I think it's a lesson in 
what you had to do was to be able to see him face to face and physically and emotionally forgive him. Yeah. To be able to move on. It's kind of like I set a boundary for myself in like, this is where it stops. Like Like, you're not going to have this effect on me forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those were your teenage years. Yeah. Definitely a formative, a formative time. And then relationship with your parents, um, pretty, pretty kind of average growing up as well. They supported you and what you wanted to do, going to school, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I would say there was definitely like an emphasis on you, you will be a musician. Oh, really? <laughs> like, like they yeah. really wanted you to? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but... You know, who knows when that was even said to me? Because I remember going into high school thinking that's what I'll be doing for sure, my career. Sure, Um, So it is so interesting that I, like, took a different path. Mm. And I, I look back on it. I'm like, oh, I wish I had known that I was interested in athletics. But mm. I never played a sport. I, I swam. But that was kind of like a, you know, say goodbye to that. Like, right, music, right. music is, like, Music's the, whole thing. the thing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was the thing for our family. So it was... And it made sense. Right. Like, it, when you have four kids, it's a lot easier right. when they all do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, we're going to take you all to the same audition. It's pretty we're, nice We're for all going to go to Allstate Band yeah. in Savannah. Yeah. Like, we're all going. Yeah. Versus I get to pick all of you up from band soccer, practice, right. swimmer, right. musician. Like, right, right, yeah. right, right. So it, it makes sense that we all naturally, like, did that together. Yeah. Especially yeah. with weekly rehearsals downtown. I can't imagine how they would have commuted you sure. know, all of us around to the different practices if yeah. we all did different things. So, yeah. wow. um, so totally like, don't blame them for that. And I, I, music is a huge part of my life. And now I play piano on a daily basis and love music again. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and getting my music degree taught me a lot in, you know, how to keep a schedule and like right. manage my time. Right. And, you know, I could buy a 30 page you know, marimba concerto and learn it over the course of a month. And I don't even know what that means, but it sounds very <laughs> fancy. So concerto is like, you're the soloist in front of an orchestra. Okay. And a what's... marimba uh-huh. is set up like a piano, but it's seven feet long. And oh, you basically wow. have to jump to play one end what? and get to the other. And I would play it with four mallets. So two in each hand. <laughs> what? I know. It was like learning a language that you physically did yeah yeah like I was reading something but then I was hitting other it's that's crazy, crazy. but so you really did me. play a sport <laughs> yeah in a way in a way and I'm so much better now at like my endurance of playing because yeah. I'm fit yeah so it's yeah. so interesting that's how cool. it all like kind that's of cool I played the together. piano for eight years and um I go home for Christmas and, and once in the summer and I have the easy breezy piano book and I play there you go. one time and I'm done. You know? That, that you know? felt good. Like you get your fill. <laughs> so let's bring you let's bring you back to college. We'll get you into Georgia State. That's yeah. when kind of the emotional stuff started to happen with mm-hmm. you, kind of the, the the bullying a little bit. Columbus um, State. Columbus State. Yep. And then um, let's Shout go. out Columbus let's, State. Oh, sorry, sorry about it. Let's go <laughs> there. Let's tell, yeah. tell us about that that experience. And so I, it, it's kind of interesting because I feel like all of my friends were excited about like picking their college, mm. and I remember not being super psyched about it. Um, I think even at that point, I was like, eh, music. Like I never really had to work too hard at it to be 
good at percussion. Did it just feel like a chore and it didn't really kind of like fill your soul? I didn't like practicing. But your that's parents. for sure. You knew your parents wanted it. Yeah. Okay. And that's probably why I didn't like practicing. Because sure. <laughs> I didn't really want it for myself right, right. at that point. Um, I grew to want it though. Um, but in my first year of college, um, it was kind of like I had to force myself to practice. And I went from playing 30 minutes a day in high school to six hours. Mm. And that's what spurred the wrist injury. Got it. My body was not ready for Got that. Got it. Um, in addition to that, I, I had always had other I, – I liked being different and, like, trying new things. And I guess that's the entrepreneur in me. Yeah. Like, I'll go for it, whatever. And one of the things I decided I wanted to do was compete in pageants. <laughs> <laughs> Were your parents supportive of that? Yeah. Were they really? I, I did Miss Stars Mill my, I guess it was my senior year. See, this world is so, like, actually, I shouldn't say that because I was in a homecoming queen pageant. I, I, I shouldn't say it's so far, like, away from me, but um, the world of the South, the way it happens oh, down here is a totally different yeah. world. So we had a pageant at my high school. Uh-huh. I think I was, like, first runner-up. Okay. So second place. Sure. I was like, cool, that was fun. And one of the judges was like, the only reason we didn't pick you is because the girl who won is going to Georgia Tech and she's your valedictorian. I was oh. like, tight. I'm like, I'm glad you like, let me know that. Sure. Um, he's like, but I think you have a future in pageants. Oh, <laughs> So my I got that in gosh. my head. And I was like, cool, let me latch onto this thing and be OCD about it. Okay. And like, you know, plan my schedule of pageants for the next wow. year. Wow. Because that's how I am. I'm like, oh, I've run one 5K. I'm going to be a marathoner. Right, Let right, me right, right. start running But you day. really enjoyed it. So you're yeah. like, here we go. So yeah. how, how long did you do the pageants for? I did three, three of them okay. my freshman year of college. And I remember getting ready for the first one. It was a Miss America system one. So I was going to be playing an instrument. I had it there. They had a talent portion. Uh-huh. And there was bikini. Uh-huh. And there was the evening gown. Yeah. And the some of the percussionists in my percussion studio were like oh you're gonna wear a bikini to rehearsal <laughs> miss america i'm like no you're like actually Why would that's I do a good that? idea <laughs> <laughs> but then also i was i was uh in the computer music department too and they would kind of say the same things and i mean i i already kind of like i don't want to say i stuck out like a sore thumb but because i was in a sorority and I did pageants and I was like I wasn't girly girly but I was not afraid to be right either right I was like I'm gonna do this because I want to but right. remember I was the skater chick in eighth grade like and the band nerd so yeah. I'm like I'm you know so it was almost like your group things. of people like the band nerds in college turned on me turned on you yeah and really looking back on it in high school I wasn't really close with the music kids. Okay. So I never really was like your stereotypical music kid. Okay. When I went to Governor's Honors Program uh-huh. one summer, I hung out with all the dancers yeah. the whole time. Because I was a dancer growing up. And for whatever reason, like I identified way more with the dance department than the percussion department. Got it. So I'd go to rehearsal and then I would leave and I'd go hang out with the dance studio. So it was like <laughs> once you hit college, it was like reverse bullying. Yeah. Right. But I, I kind of like that. I've always been that way. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I will gravitate toward the people that give me good energy. Sure. And I will not force it with the wrong people. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, don't want to say that I'm like that I run, but I kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> like okay. this doesn't think... feel good to me. I'm not gonna like waste my time. I and think energy that's on perfectly it. fine. I think a lot of people maybe stay too long, and you yeah. look back and you're like, wow, I just wasted X amount of months or years with that person or on that job or, or at that gym or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. and you know, but you can never look back at it and regret it because you have to just look back and be like, that was a learning experience. Yeah. And now I know. And I didn't even, I wasn't conscious of, right, of making it. those decisions right. either. Sure. I'm like, why am I not close with the music kids? Yeah. yeah. They're just not. Just what, they weren't your people. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, it, it's crazy the universe, the way it works or, or God or whoever, you know, there's a bigger force than us for yeah. sure, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like it could feel that you weren't totally happy playing music. And it's almost like I feel like like As a career. As a career. Yeah. Like you got that cyst to almost force you out of playing music yeah. and push you into fitness. Into taking care of my body. Right. Feeling well, I was in the depths of depression during college and had no idea. So <laughs> So explain that because that's going to be really confusing for a lot of people with depression who very well know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess growing up, I, I, I know what I feel, what I felt then Mm -hmm. is depression. Okay. Um, but I didn't know what to, what term to use Mm -hmm. to describe it to my parents. It felt like I was playing the victim by saying that I was dealing mm-hmm. with depression, like, oh, she's just, you know, like using that as an excuse mm-hmm. for being moody or not having the energy to do this thing or not doing her homework or like whatever it was. So what, yeah, what experiences did you have that looking back, you're now like, that was depression? Um, I mean, any any time that I would have that feeling of like on the verge of breakdown and I couldn't like put my finger on why. Because I wasn't that overextended. I mean, mm-hmm. I was I was doing as much as probably any kid was, maybe yeah. a little bit more, with having a couple of rehearsals for music every week, plus drumline, plus you know, trying to have a social life and, and do your schoolwork. Yeah, and do my schoolwork. So and it just felt very overwhelming. Did it feel very heavy? It it was like this shouldn't be overwhelming, but for whatever reason, it is. Like procrastination would happen. Mm-hmm. That's always been the thing. When I am feeling depressed, I will put off the things that need to get done sure. and it'll make it worse. I do that too, actually. And I just, it yeah. snowballs and I'm like, yeah. what am I doing? Or like lay in bed it. and I'm like, I'm actually too tired. Yeah. Tired. The tiredness is always a thing for yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, you know, I was feeling all those things and I had been told that depression isn't real, like mm. therapy is like, no good. Like, Bullshit. just go talk to the priest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, oh like, god, well, yeah. Go talk. <laughs> go talk to the priest. Lord knows what he's doing with well, his life. <laughs> that, and I'm like, I just don't feel like I can be totally open with sure. the priest. Interestingly sure. enough, though, we had a really awesome priest who I was like, actually, you know what? I really want to know his opinion of what happened. Right, to me. right, right. So I went and told him. I oh, was wow. like, I have been raped (laughs) like how should I feel about this I am feeling like I'm to blame and I mean he told me I wasn't he was Mm -hmm. like you're not gonna go to hell for someone Mm -hmm. else taking advantage sure 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 um 
I don't remember what other advice, say a Hail Mary. Like, right. But, um, yeah, there's only so much <laughs> I will say I'm say. very strong in my faith, but like saying a Hail yeah. Mary was not going to fix it. Yeah, it's not going to, um, it's, it's not like throwing a Hail Mary, you know, yeah. like that's not going to, yeah. not going to fix <laughs> no, anything. <laughs> no. Um, so that's but, interesting that like, I guess you're the first person that I've talked to and I know about your more like recent depression and, and what, and, and I hate to say like depression because I think we all go through bouts of depression. Yeah. We all do. I don't mind saying that that right? is definitely what it is. Yeah. Though, you know, yeah. And like I can identify it now and I right. have the tools to right. somewhat combat it. Sure. In the sure, moment. sure. Sure. Um, but looking back, it's, 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 that is a kind of a cool, like look back and be like, that's actually what I was dealing with. And it's almost nice to be able to put a label on it as a kid growing up to be yeah. like, oh, I wasn't crazy or I wasn't out of my mind. Like this is a legit thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now I, I have always wondered why is it a thing? Mm. But you're right. I think everyone does go through it mm-hmm. at some point, many points in life. Or depressive um, states at yeah, least. Yeah, right. Yeah. Depression and depressive states are very different. But yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, a lot of my most recent ones have been triggered by like very specific events. Sure. You know, sure. a breakup, uh, leaving a place of work and sure. feeling like I don't have a home base. Sure. Like, or that, that feeling, even when I do have a home base, right. like of not being accepted. And right. that's like, you know, probably flashbacks of the trauma of feeling like I'm not accepted in right. the music department. Sure. And, sure, sure, sure. you know, um, so it, I'm like, okay, cool. I can define it. And now what do I do with it? <laughs> right. And I think it's important to say like, Hey, everyone goes through a breakup. Everybody loses a job and it does create sadness. But the difference between sadness and depression is depression actually affects your life. It affects what you can do. It affects how you are able to function. And yes, when things happen, people get sad and that's a normal reaction, but when it physically affects you to the point where you gain a ton of weight, lose a ton of weight, lose your hair, lay in bed for hours a day, um, retract from your friends. Like when it's literally affecting your lifestyle and your habits and what you do on a day-to-day basis, that is a depressive state or leading to depression. Because depression is over a period of time. So sadness often, if it's not dealt with and handled it morphs into depression so just to make sure people really kind of understand the differences between those things you know we were talking earlier about right people wrong time Um, so speaking on that in 2016 I let's see it was my, my birthday is December 10th my boyfriend decided to um, not do anything for me. <laughs> like he went out of town. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go out of town for your birthday. Sure. I'm going to be gone. I was like, interesting. And then um, we broke up a couple weeks later. Mm-hmm. And then I left my gym a couple weeks after that. Mm-hmm. It was like so many things yeah. all in one month. Yeah. And, and I was sick. Okay. So it was like all the things. And I broke down. Like physically lost so much weight. Yeah. Could not kick the cold or flu or whatever it was that I had. I was having, I had such bad fevers. I was like hallucinating. Mm. It was awful. It was probably the worst like six weeks of my life. 
And um, I was being threatened with, you know, the, I guess, potential of a lawsuit because of leaving my gym and my clients didn't want to stay. And I'm like, oh, it was, it was so much that and dealing with a breakup on top of it with, with someone that I had been with for many years and just kind of spun you into this. Yeah. 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 Then I prematurely met someone awesome and I was like, oh my God, this is not the right time Mm. for this. But he was so nice and was like really making an effort. And I was like, well, maybe I'll use this as a distraction. Mm. And I even knew it as one. Yeah. But I I feel so bad that I allowed it to happen because, I mean, it eventually fell apart for that exact reason. Right. I was not giving him what he was giving me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I mean, we stayed together for like almost two years, but I I still wasn't over everything that had happened with my previous relationship because it was like I just hit pause. Right. So on my recovery from that. Well, and you've already said this. This is kind of a habit that you do. You put it in a box and you put it over here and you don't deal with it. I was like, distraction is like another version of that. Right. Yeah. Right. So of procrastination. And then I would see him in the parking lot of the grocery store mm-hmm. and I'd lose my mind. Yeah. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> so how good. did you get to a healthier place where you are able to look back and be like, this is, I call, I, I always say like, this is what the old Megan did, right? This is what, yeah. this is an old habit I would do. If I know if I'm falling back into the Megan of 10 years ago. Like, how did you get to a healthy place? And it, 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 now you're still going through some some health stuff. We'll yeah. get to that too. But as far as like the depression, what what steps did you take to kind of get to a better place? Well, I realized I was expecting, I guess, myself out of other people. Mm. I was expecting them to drop everything and help me. Victim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm a baby. Yeah. Uh, you need to help me because I'm a baby. Right. <laughs> I mean, without saying it, that's what I was doing. Good for was... you to be able to say that. Most people yeah. can't say that, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I fully realize that yeah. now. And I, I will still revert to that. Um, and that's how I know, like, it's going to be forever a thing that I'm working on. Sure. Um, but I... The guy I was dating kind of enabled it too, mm. because he was there for me when I would say, "I need you." Like I've got another migraine that was happening on a weekly basis at that point. Um, you know, like I, woe is me. Like work isn't good. Like, can we go? Will you like leave work and go get lunch with me? Because I'm sad today. Mm. And he would do it. And in my mind, I was like, that's a good boyfriend. Mm. But really what he probably should have done was say, no, Maddie, like you need to talk to a therapist, figure out what's going on. He eventually suggested that to me. But also like that's not his job to tell you that either. That's true. That's true. So there's that. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's another version of me expecting like new me to show up. And it's all, it's a learning process, right? Yeah. We're learning Mm -hmm. who we really are. Yeah. And how we actually deal with things and how we should be dealing with things to live a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, eventually I did realize, like, I need a professional (laughs) to to help me sort all of this out. Sure. Yeah. And we did sort it out. 
um, at least I know like the root of everything. And how did you find your therapist? People ask me this all the time um, for therapy recommendations. And I'll be really honest. I haven't seen a therapist in over 10 years. Oh, really? Um, I could. I mean, I definitely would benefit from it. But it's been so long for me. I wouldn't even know how to pick one out. Yeah. So um, the the guy who suggested that I go to a therapist, the guy I was dating, uh-huh. um, he also played keyboard at Buckhead Church. Okay. And he's like, I think they have like a, a thing where you can get a therapist recommended to you by Buckhead Church. Oh. So they're at least going to be in line with like your belief system. Got it. It's okay. like, okay, cool. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. So um, I, I kind of like applied through Buckhead Church and they were like, here are like 10 therapists that oh, wow. based on what you say you are looking for, like they would be able to help you. And Katie Goad um, is my therapist cool. and um, she's awesome. She has like She's a, a one-man band. Um, she's got her little um, practice in Buckhead. Yeah. And um, I've been going to her for... I haven't seen her since before COVID. Okay. But I email with her sometimes. And um, it, it's interesting. Like, whenever I think of scheduling a session with her now, like, and then we're going to go through these steps. And mm. then she's going to tell me to do this thing. And, like, I already, I already know. Yeah what yeah what to do right now which right. is great i mean yeah. that's kind of what i try to do with my clients right yeah like, absolutely you know what to do yep. to keep yourself in shape or yep. in good well, think mental about it health. your, your brain like, is a muscle your right? brain is a muscle your brain is a I think muscle lebron said that right <laughs> maybe i don't know i don't <laughs> i'm not a big lebron fan i'm just gonna say that but it is it's so true and like it's all about Especially when you're in a deep, dark place is practicing changing the thought process. Yeah. Changing it, changing it. And it's really hard when you're that deep down. Yeah. It's really difficult. I, I know that. Um, but I really, I think of it now as the brain is a muscle. And just like our physical bodies, the way that I train one client, I'm not going to train this client the same way. Sure. So the way that one person helps train their brain and getting out of this mental funk or dealing with anxiety or whatever they're dealing with is different than this person dealing with the same exact thing in a very different way. Yeah. So when you start to think about it in that sense, it's like there's no perfect path for anybody. Yeah. And you have to figure out what works best for you. So it sounds like therapy was the perfect, you know, solution for you, especially seeing a female. I, I, I don't think there's like whether a male or a female works for a male or a female, but I think a lot of times females go for a female. Sure. Yeah. I think that's totally normal. Um, and at this time, you're 100% in fitness. Yeah. Right. So during college, that gap year, you really dove into the fitness world. I got a trainer. Right. Yeah. I got a trainer. Um, I guess actually I got the trainer my senior year of college. Okay. But that was the year that I decided maybe I'll make it like a side gig. Mm. And so I got my personal training certification and it kind of just, it took over over the course of probably a year. Yeah. So I was training in the mornings until about 8 a.m., like 5 to 8 a.m. Then I would go teach at Woodward Mm -hmm. from 8 to like 3. And then I would go teach private lessons like at people's homes, piano and percussion lessons. And then I would go back to the gym for like another client, maybe a few nights a week, though. I was also a nanny. Okay. (laughs) And then also 
I sold tables at a nightclub. (laughs) (laughs) So I had like four or five different jobs. Yeah, yeah. sounds like me. So when people complain about, oh, I've got like this part-time job in addition to school, I'm like, try like four. (laughs) Right, right. So. Yeah. But also if you have four part-time jobs you like, it doesn't matter. That's true. That's a good point. Feels good. It was a. It was too much though. Yeah. So I eventually yeah. started to let them go. Yeah. And the last one that I held on to was like teaching my private lessons outside of Woodward. Okay. So I kept those for the first few years that I was training, and I was like, you know what, I I need to let those go too. Yeah. Because I've kind of sold out my schedule, and there are more people who want to train with me, and this is this is the path I want to take. Yeah. Teaching music didn't it didn't feel quite as fulfilling as it used to mm-hmm. when I was at Woodward working with those middle school and high school kids. These were like five year olds playing mm-hmm. piano. Yeah, and I was like, they're taking piano because their mom's telling them to right. take piano. You're like, remember not because they are choosing to. Sure. Whereas these people walking in the gym are like, I need you to help me sort out my life. Yeah. And so you kind of found your path by yeah. this this cyst that come kept yeah, coming back that damn cyst. yeah yeah that's <laughs> yeah. crazy though i'm thankful were for your, my cysts. um <laughs> were your parents disappointed when you decided to like not go back to school and get your master's and mm, i don't i actually don't remember yeah um i i think uh, well i know or because you have if, other siblings they're like okay we'll move on to the next right? kid and <laughs> i i will say this if i were in their shoes i probably would have been pissed really if you think about it they, and this is why I like respect them so much for supporting what I do now because they spent so much mm. time and money on my music career. Sure. I think about every pair of mallets I bought, they were at least a hundred bucks a pair. Mm-hmm. I probably had 50 pairs. So do the math. Right, right. Plus a drum set, plus, which was, I mean, I didn't buy it, so I don't know the sticker price, probably five grand for that. <laughs> drum set yeah but you know what that's when you sign up to have a kid yeah that's what you sign up for but we I mean they went in right so then there was seven week long music camp in Interlock in Michigan right which I know cost an arm and a leg yeah you know at least yeah. a grand a week and I'm like I'm adding it up I'm like holy crap it was so much more than just okay you're going to music camp right. it was like we like my dad is working until he's 70 because of what my extracurricular activities <laughs> were in high school. Right. You right. know? So I'm like, and then I had the audacity to not <laughs> become a musician. Yeah. I guess for me, I'd be like, as a parent, I'd be like, yes, I spent $50,000 on the past 18 years. But if that means that you go to college and you figure out who you truly want to be yeah. and what you truly want to do and what's truly going to make you happy, then that's even better than you doing what you thought you should have done. Sure. Or, you know, because we invested all, I, I think about that with swimming, like the amount yeah. of money my parents spent. And granted, it's probably nowhere near the equipment that you bought, but the camps and the, uh, the traveling every single weekend, mm-hmm. three day weekends. I mean, and oh, yeah. I just quit. I'm like, I'm done. This isn't fun. I was so miserable uh-huh. and so unhappy. I remember they told me if I got in, you know, if I got my full ride like I was supposed to, they'd buy me a brand new car. And I just, I felt so disappointed in myself for disappointing them. But I look back and I think I wish they had been able to see how 
miserable I was and how it wasn't contributing to me being a better person and a happier person. And I think parents kind of get stuck in this like tunnel vision. Yeah. And it's hard for them to see anything but that. And I would hope that my parents, I know my parents now sitting here would be like, we're so damn proud that you went that route instead because you're ultimately happy now. It took a long time to get there, but here you are. So I would imagine, you know, hopefully your parents think that about you. Well, and I think we've all kind of learned now that it wasn't like music that was making me uh, not upset, but like depressed, I guess. Right. It was my mental state. Sure. So, but I I blamed it on music. Absolutely. Yeah. And also I, I would be, you know, pissed that I was going away for summer camp every summer because I couldn't go hang out with my friends and take, you know, beach trips with them. Right. And party with them. And miss out on But the... you know what? I was spending every summer being, you know, being productive and honestly creating really awesome friendships that I still have to this day. Yeah. And I still have the friends that I, I guess, would have partied with. Absolutely. You know? Like They're you still didn't there miss too. out on anything. No. And it created, it created good habits for you as an entrepreneur. Totally. Right? Time yes. management and dedication and loyalty, all the things that you're actually going to use later in life. Yeah. And just a different capacity. Taking auditions at 15 years old. Right. In front of a panel of judges. Right. That, you know, were 30, 40 years older than me. Sure. Judging every note that I played. I'm sure. Yeah. And then, yeah. I, I mean, I would play some pieces actually perfectly. It's crazy to me. Yeah. That I had... Oh, that I was able to get ready for auditions like that, but then also like keep my cool in them. Yeah. And perform. That's amazing to me. I yeah. would not be able to do it now. <laughs> and it's so I'm like, I have a lot of respect for myself and like right. what I was able to achieve. Right. And- but I think you could apply that to standing up in front of a group of 30 people sure. and teaching them how to do a kettlebell. Yes. Had I not ever been under that, like under the spotlight before. I probably wouldn't feel comfortable exactly. with a lot of the stuff I do now. Exactly. So, so all the things we do through life are just practice for the next thing yeah. and for the next thing. And same thing with your emotions, right? Once you start practicing dealing with it, it's like, okay, I know how to handle it now so I don't fall into that deep depression. Yeah. So you're doing the work, everything is kind of moving and grooving over the past few years and then COVID hits and we talked about that That in this past year. (laughs) Um, And now do you feel like with finding a space, do you feel a little bit like some of the old depressive things are coming up? Do you mind if I ask? Is this okay to ask? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, like too late. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. Um, So I, I put a lot of, um, pressure on myself to like keep doing more. Yeah. And uh, my friend Joshua texted me the other, the other day that kind of gave me some perspective. He was like, I just want you to know, like I know that the facility hasn't opened yet and you're down about that. Yeah. But I'm so proud of everything else you've done. Yeah. Like don't forget that like that's also an achievement. Sure. And – um, you've you've created this thing out of out of thin air that is working and growing and everyone's loving it and you're creating this like community that you didn't have before because he was at he was one of my old yeah. coworkers yeah. who like you know kind of saw like what I was dealing with um, 
terms of like bullying and such. Right. And he's like, you've, you've found, you've found your community on your own. Like you've kind of built it. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. he's like, it's just so cool to see. And I'm so yeah. proud of you. Aww. And like, I'm praying for you every day. And like, you know, he's the best. Yeah. He's, you know, we need more of those guys. he's awesome. We need yeah. More I was of those like, Joshua, don't make me cry, but please make me cry. So do you, are like you great. able to kind of look in the mirror right now and not fall into that depression, de- you know, that depressive sort of state and just be like, okay, this is all in God's timing and I just need to keep working and doing the things that I need to do. Or how are you handling it Mm -hmm. right now? I will say it's been like little things like that, that have pulled me out of that depressive state. Um, I need to be better about like pinpointing it and doing something about it on my own. Sure. Um, but what's really cool is when you have awesome friends, they are there and can tell when you're feeling that way. And they're like, let's let's like talk about this yeah. let's like yeah. give you some perspective let's like go serve others let's go get a glass of wine yeah. like let's you know like get out of your head yeah and see the bigger picture and it's not the end of the world it'd be like it's like when a new client walks in the gym and they're like i'm embarrassed i don't want everyone to right. be looking at right. me i'm like no one's looking at you yeah just like how I'm like, darn it, I should have had this gym open by last August. No one even knew that. No. Or if they knew that, they're like, uh, COVID, it's okay. Right. Like they can just kind of brush right. it off. Like it's okay that it hasn't yeah. happened yet. And I'm, I need to remember that I'm so much harder on myself than anyone else is going to be. Right. And it's all okay. If that's my biggest problem that I haven't opened a gym yet. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. Life's not so It'll bad. It'll be okay. But it is all relative. You know, yeah. we all have the things that make us feel a certain way and that's okay. I don't think mm-hmm. we should ever make an excuse for that. If, yeah. if something's going on in your life, because I remember, you know, I, I always felt bad about being depressed because I was like, nothing's really wrong. Like, I have a good life. So then you feel bad about feeling bad. Right. Well, you and, were talking about that on your Instagram yes. the other day. Uh, yeah. It is, it is. It's the worst feeling. It's, it's feeling bad about feeling bad. And then <laughs> you just box those things up and it gets worse and worse and worse. So yeah. at some, some time it's going to explode. Um, so I kind of <laughs> want to wrap it up, but I do know that you have dealt with some autoimmune issues yeah. over the past year and a half. Yeah, I, I would years. actually say, um, because you had your thyroid taken out. Yeah, there's been a lot of things. Like, who knows, like, how connected they all are. Right. I would say the most recent thing is my body was not absorbing what I was putting into it. Mm. I was losing weight like crazy. Yeah, I've put on probably five pounds since Have last you? time I saw you. Yeah, good for you. Thick it. Thick for, for summer. I mean, I do. I think we. I do want to bring you back at some point, actually. So I might save some of this, sure. um, just so that we can stress, really stress like causes physical problems. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, just so that we can really dive into it, because I saw this uh, a friend of mine from Florida post on her story yesterday about being body shamed for being too thin, mm. and I thought of all of the people I've talked to about this, yeah. and. You know, when someone is going through an autoimmune disease or or whatever, they're trying to figure out their hormones or something happened yeah. in their life and they might lose weight and they're in the fitness industry, I think a couple things can happen. Like they can get body shamed. They can also be put up on this pedestal like, 
I want to look like that. And you had told me, you're like, I'm too thin. Yeah, yeah. Right? And you're like, I would never want a female to look at me and be like, I necessarily want to. That's my goal. That's my goal because you're like, that's not my goal. Well, then you need to have like, you know, an infection in your body that you can't, the doctors can't find and being sent to infectious disease. So I do want to do a part two with (laughs) you about about women and what we go through physically. But I think it's just kind of a mental note for everyone um, to be sensitive because. You never know what someone's going through. Yeah, you don't. And. You can, you can make, you you can look at something and be like, okay, this is what this looks like, but you don't have to judge them. Yeah. Right. They're not, um, a bad person or doing something wrong or should be doing this and this and this. It's like, just slow your roll people. Yeah. Slow your roll. So how are, how are you now with your physical health? Yeah. Um, so much better. Good. Um, still not like completely out of the weeds with like a few things, but, um, I would say the thing that was making me feel bad on a daily basis is gone now. Okay. And I think I told you I was dealing with mercury yes. overload. Yes. Um, so I don't get migraines anymore. Really? Which is crazy. So you were eating a ton of seafood so and much. fish. <laughs> I was eating a lot of the big ocean fish. Which someone just told me about that tail. Netflix series. I need to watch it, but I also don't want to watch exactly it. That's exactly why I don't want to watch it because I'm like, I really like fish. I but now it. I think about the mercury thing because you told I me know. about that. So, yeah. So I've been eating more salmon and ugh, trout. Oh, wow. I mean, I've, I've just been eating any fish that isn't tuna or yellowtail but or you mahi-mahi. Really, you've also cut back on, on how fish, much you are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was eating a poke bowl every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, supposedly they suggest, I think it's like six ounces a week. Really? Of the big ocean fish. Really? And I was eating at least six ounces a, a day. day. Right. Right. <laughs> so um, I... I was not in the mercury poisoning range, but I was in the overload range. You were close, yeah. Because three weeks after I cut it out, that's when I got blood work done and I was in the overload range. So it was definitely higher than that. So you did the work to kind of reverse that, kind of get out of that. You're yeah. not having the migraines anymore. I had one last week because I had sushi Thursday night. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I was like, well, let's see what happens. Because I just really wanted some tuna. Sure. Really wanted some hamachi sashimi and yeah i woke sure up with enough. a migraine that's crazy for I two days knew it could i had be one. that you know directly correlated it's like i guess i'm not completely detoxed from it yet right right but at least i know what it is now so okay. i can control it um and that's i mean that's a game changer for me to yeah. have seven days a week to be a person versus four right yeah because so maddie was going through <laughs> you know three four days a week with migraines like debilitating migraines where you couldn't work and you couldn't do stuff yeah three to four times a week which was like maybe it would be better to like gouge out my eyeballs which also could spin someone into a depression oh i was depressed every time yeah because i was like damn i have so much work to do i would have calls scheduled i would have clients that i would have to cancel Mm. every week i started not scheduling clients on fridays just because i knew i was going to have a migraine Mm. i could count on it and I'm like, this is no way to live. Yeah. This is also like unattractive for I I was dating someone that right. would have to deal with me having migraines all the time. Yeah. I was like, I've got to figure this one out. And I just kind of stumbled upon it. I was eating a Poke Bowl when 
I was like, what am I putting into my body that might be oh, wow. like poisoning me? And I'm like, oh my God. That's crazy. What about fish? So you did some research on it. Yeah, and... it was me to a T. Yeah. I mean. Well, I think that's so, you know, I think being in tune with your body is really important too. Like yeah. you knew something was off. Doing the research, doing the work, asking for help, um, asking a professional, seeing a functional functional medicine doctor, getting all those tests done are really, really important. So, you know, it's it's hard to – it's really difficult when it kind of first starts because it feels like so daunting Yeah. to kind of go through and be like, what's causing this? And you have to eliminate X, Y, Z, but it, it's it got to be worth it, right? Yeah, it, it was almost helpful it. that I had so many different things wrong with me because I, I basically searched like, okay, amalgamation of like – these seven different things that are wrong with me, right. what what could it be? Yeah. And that was like the top result was mercury poisoning. So that's great. So you're starting to gain a little <laughs> bit of weight back yeah. and feeling better about yourself yeah. and good for you. Good for you. Yeah. I think everything's kind of like aligning with you. I think there's yeah. – I'm going to be really honest. I think there's some more to go through. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I have this feeling. I've oh, got... no, I feel it too. Um, um, I But it's I, close. You're close. I notice – I think – the thing I'm currently dealing with is I will assign happiness to people. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, whoop, that's frightening because yep, that is. people won't necessarily be there yeah. all the time. Someone could die. Someone mm. could move away. Someone could just not want to be in your life anymore yeah. or not be the person that you thought they were. And um, so I am trying to figure out how to like reassign my like – that that feeling of like overly happy i'm i'm like how can i like repackage that and like put it into you know experiences that i create for myself correct versus yeah. people um yeah but one thing that's great is i mean you can you can have as many friends as you want so like finding that happiness and spending time with my friends is is another way that i can you yeah. know yeah. Like satisfy that and feel yes. that. Yeah. Um but that I, and like being being forgiving of um how people were, like family members mm -hmm. and like having a new appreciation for why they were the way they were and who they are and like how that's had an impact on me. And um I guess again, like not expecting myself out of other people. Yeah, and you you already hit the nail on the head. I mean, you I've said this so many times. You come into this world alone, and you go out alone. Yeah. So Ooh. if you're not if you're not, yeah. I know it sounds really morbid, <laughs> mm. but it's so true. That is true. Yeah. So if you can't look in the mirror, like I'm 39 and single, and I live with my dog, and I love my life. I haven't dated in years, and I really enjoy my life. Like, you have to get to that place mm -hmm. where. Your happiness isn't dependent upon anything else, not a job, not a man, not a parent, yeah. not your bank account, because all of that can disappear. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people dealt with that disappearing in COVID and they never had the practice on of how to deal with alone. it. And I've, yeah. I've had the practice since I was 13 years old and I get it. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are still doing, doing that work. So I, I see you like still doing the work and you're like you're you're so close you're I'm, like yeah. right there i would say that another way that i've um found i can like feel that 
crazy amount of happiness mm-hmm. is service. Yeah. Like is being a light in someone else's life. Sure. Absolutely. Like, oh my gosh, this is cool. This is not something right. that, well, I guess I felt it as being a, a mentor, yeah. you know, to those kids, but, um, and you're finding that with your kettlebell class. Like yeah. I see like it people seems are posting, small, but it's actually like yeah. created a little community and people it's are posting you every day and they're like doing your flows and that's a really rewarding feeling. It's the same reason I do this podcast. Like, yes, I know it helps other people, but it helps me. Yeah. It makes me feel good. Yes. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you need to do what makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. Because that's I'm, our I'm number one. I'm living with myself for the rest of yeah, my life. That's it. Yeah. That's no, it. That, you that's get so it. True. Yeah. I'm, I'm so like, I, I see this journey of this year and I'm really excited to see what happens. Me too. And where you <laughs> land. And it's kind Who of knows? cool when you don't know. Oh, when yeah. You, there's a saying. Technically, um, we never know. <laughs> when you, you know, when, well, like my parents, they've had the same job for mm-hmm. 30 plus years it's the same and that works for them but I really kind of like the unknown because you know when nothing is determined anything can happen yeah anything yeah and that's kind of cool because you don't know but for a lot of people that gives them anxiety and they want to know they want to know how much money they're going to have or know what job they're going to have and and I think for a lot of people in the fitness industry, they have to be okay with not knowing because it can change very totally. quickly. Um, it is fitness is very cyclical. It's very um, year to year, and depending on what people want and what's the new trend. So, I feel like you're on the cusp of something, and yeah. I'm really just kind of excited to see what you do with it. Yeah, and I'm proud of you. Oh. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thanks, girl. Thanks. Thanks. So can we find you? Where do we find you? Where do we find you on the gram? Let's see. Okay. So on Instagram, you can find me at mcontifitness. Okay. Um, And then my business account is continuumatl. Okay. And stand by for a brick and mortar. Stand by for that. I will say I'm I'm putting all of my energy into doing pop-ups of this class. Do it. Yes. Like, why not? I want to do some market research. I'm like, let's see how it does in Miami. Let's see how it is in Nashville. I'm going to take it to Philly and Vegas and like all over the place. And and maybe you find that that's actually what you will end up doing. Yeah. And not a brick and mortar. Maybe with some venture capital money, open up some (laughs) brick and mortars. But. Yeah. You know, that's something I can do this tomorrow. Right. I can go do a pop-up in another city in two weeks. Yeah. And if I am focusing on the relationship building, which I think is probably my strong suit, yeah. um, it'll be full. Yep. You know? Yep. And, and that's exciting. That makes me happy. And in turn, that's, you will be full. Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being oh, a guest. Thank you. I appreciate you, Maddie. Appreciate you. Thanks for spending your Thursday with me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Six Feet Above podcast. I'm your host, Megan Armstrong. Subscribe so you never miss another episode as a new episode is released every Tuesday. And if you're enjoying the series, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Follow the show on Instagram at Six Feet Above Podcast to keep the conversation going and feel free to reach out to me directly at Megstagram11. This episode is a product of Audiographies, produced by Megan Armstrong and Denor Sapolia, edited by Jacob Smolian, and the music is by Keenan Willis, funded by yours truly.
I'll see you next time.